0: I can't believe that in all the years the the reduced Shakespeare Company has been touring, we have never actually um, performed here in Stratford upon Avon, which I believe is how it's pronounced, Stratford upon <laughs> Avon. But then I get here, and I find out you've got your own RSE. It's called the Royal Shakespeare Company. And there's also a great, great thing called the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, the current director of research of which is Paul Edmondson, um, who's here to tell me about all the things that you personally have done, Paul, to these buildings since uh, the late 16th century. Well, it would would take a show even longer than the reduced Shakespeare
1: companies to to tell everything that I've done, Austin.
0: My trip to Stratford-upon-Avon several weeks ago was so much fun, not just because Jenny Maisels and I did our pop-up Shakespeare book launch performance at Shakespeare's Birthplace Center. The birthplace, in addition to several other properties in Stratford, is overseen by the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, the UK's oldest conservation charity and our host for the book launch event. Paul Edmondson is the head of research and knowledge for the Trust. In addition to being a scholar, author, editor, educator, poet, and priest, in the Church of England. Getting to sit down and chat with Paul was an enormous thrill for me, and not just because he started our conversation with a compliment of his own. But it's delightful to meet you. I also meet you,
1: first of all, with happy memories of seeing the reduced Shakespeare Company for the first time. You had to come all the way to Stratford. Yes. I had to go all the way to New Orleans to see your Good heavens! In the context of the New Orleans Shakespeare Festival in 2014 at Tulane. Oh. Did a production of it? And it's the first time I'd seen the reduced Shakespeare Company, and so happy memories of that, uh, along with beads and what have you.
0: Um, uh, but yeah, did here, we show? Did we show you our bosoms <laughs> to get the beads?
1: <laughs> but here we are um, in in Shakespeare Centre HQ, as it yeah. were. This yeah. is the Birthplace Trust, and um, in in a way, the Birthplace Trust is a continuation of the the great love of Shakespeare, which has been expressed through people visiting Stratford upon Avon. From as early as the uh, 1630s, really. Let's count the first visitor as Lieutenant Hammond, who who passes through and notes Shakespeare's grave as the as the grave of the poet in in Holy Trinity Church, and people have were informally visiting uh, the birthplace from you know, the early 1700s. Uh, the earliest uh, recorded visitor is is George Virtue, who in his notebook uh, writes about. Shakespeare's House on Henley Street, and then also includes a drawing of New Place, which I'll come onto in a moment. And in 1847, uh, the whole of the site of of the House on Henley Street uh, came up for auction. And we've just been noting the 170th anniversary of, of this occasion it, 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 last week, it was on the 16th of September the auction in 1847 anyone might have bought it any entrepreneur might have bought it P.T. Barnum was rumoured to have been interested to dismantle the thing and, and to take it across to his circus, God lovers, um, and uh, there were committees in Stratford and London and Charles Dickens was involved of course because he loved Shakespeare, mm-hmm. rolls off the pages of Dickens um, and the 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 monies that were were gathered, and and there weren't very much, it wasn't very much money that was gathered, and a higher pledge was made than the monies that they actually had, secured the birthplace's future, thank goodness. uh, And And kept it here. And kept it here. And for a while, God lovers, it was thought that the UK government were going to take an interest and look after it. But in fact, this didn't materialise. But even as late as the 1860s, it was thought that the the government would step in, Um, and they didn't.
0: Well and I we've spent a lot of time as you know at the Folger Shakespeare Theater and library and you know there was, there was all the, the the controversy of the folios all of the folios being brought bought up by this american and taken over there thank goodness really that this was kept here well
1: absolutely but you see as soon as as soon as the house was was, was purchased and started to be looked after. It had to be renovated and conserved properly. It looked very different in 1847 to the way it looks now. And so we have our Victorian ancestors to thank for that. Early conservation project. It turns out they were the first group of people to buy a building specifically to preserve in situation. Which is itself interesting. Right, to not develop it and yeah. turn it into something else. So so we can say that we're the oldest UK conservation building charity, in fact. That's that's only one of the things that we do. The Shakespeare Birthplace Trust first met in July eighteen sixty six. It turns out we were the first UK conservation building charity, really, to preserve a building in situ, which, which is fascinating. and But preserving buildings is only one of the things that we do, and we're run by an Act of Parliament which was first passed in 1891, it's been revised since, um, and we do three things as a charitable organisation. We promote the knowledge and appreciation of Shakespeare's works uh, throughout the world, uh, we look after five Shakespeare houses, one of which is the birthplace, the others are Anne Hathaway's cottage, Hall's Croft, the home of his daughter and son-in-law, John Hall, near Holy Trinity Church, um, Mary Arden's house, um, the home of his mother, a uh, new place, his home in the centre of Stratford, and Anne Hathaway's cottage um, out at Shottery, mm-hmm. his, his wife's family's home. And then the third thing that we do is we make freely available to anyone who wants to consult it from around the world, Um, a library, archive, and museum collection, uh, uh, which especially referenced to Shakespeare, but also to Stratford-upon-Avon as well, Mm -hmm. and the town history. This comprises 55,000 volumes relating to Shakespeare's work life and times, a thousand rare books, including the um, books which are available for Shakespeare to browse through on Elizabethan and Jacobean bookstalls, Um, and the books we know he used to write the plays. I mean, not the actual copies, but the editions that we know he used, such as Hollinshed's Chronicles um, and Hall's Chronicles about the Wars of the Roses and Plutarch and Ovid's Metamorphoses and so on. Um, and museum objects as well, dating from the time.
0: Well, and, and and you say all these things are that the Hennium to have used or books and papers from his time, and we but we have we don't have any of his personal papers, um, except his signature on documents, sort of, right? And do we know why none of that exists? We don't know why none of it
1: exists. We have one piece of Shakespearean correspondence here, which is a letter addressed to him on St. Crispin's Day, 1598, from the Bell Inn on Carter Lane near St. Paul's Cathedral. And this is from his townsman, um, uh, Richard uh, Quiney, um, who was asking for uh, a loan of money as the town had been suffering very badly from fire damage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Clearly, Shakespeare, as a, a wealthy London connection and, and, ta- and Stratford townsman, uh, was somebody with whom he wanted to be in touch. That piece of correspondence is here, which is, which is hugely exciting. Going back to uh, the materials that we've gathered, mm-hmm. of course, this is treasure trove for historians, Shakespeare scholars, scholars of theatre history, because our collection also includes our curating the archive of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Right. I don't know where the reduced Shakespeare Company's archive is, but the Royal Shakespeare Company's archive is here at the Shakespeare Centre.
0: Our archive is in a small tin in Northern California.
1: And that, that dates from 1879, which is when the first Shakespeare Memorial Theatre was built. Right. And continues to this day. So any production that's taken place here has left traces behind it, photographs, prompt books, stage managers' reports, costume designs. You know, you can turn up to our collection and say, What does Hamlet look like? Mm. And be given as many answers as there have been productions of Hamlet. With right. photographs or images uh, and said, well, you have looks like this, you know, mm-hmm. since 1879. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and of course, we do special research projects. And that's where I come in, really, with uh, my writing, my teaching, uh, my organising projects with universities, colleges around the world. Uh, most especially, Austin. I'll just tell you about one, one such project of recent times. Uh, we decided that we were going, we wanted to find out more about Shakespeare's family home, New Place. Right Now New Place had been a bit of a shadowy figure presence in Shakespearean biography. Of course it had been written about, it had been known about, but basically since about 1759, when what became a very differently iterated New Place was demolished on the corner of Chapel Lane and, and, and Chapel Street, uh, there's been a gap on that corner of Stratford-upon-Avon opposite the Guild Chapel mm-hmm. near, near the grammar school. And um, it, there had been an archeological dig there in the 1860s but it hadn't gone far enough back in the site. So our, our knowledge about what new was actually like was, is, was patchy. And it had been a sort of present absence in Shakespearean biography. Mm. And 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 around that uh, present absence was this old chestnut of oh he left everything behind like Dick Whittington made his fortune in London then retired back to Stratford, and, and we decided you know we wanted to challenge that view and, and think about things a bit differently, and and see what part new place had to play in mm. a, in a, a, a fuller understanding of Shakespeare's life, and his, the life of his family, so to, just to remind us uh, ourselves briefly. Shakespeare buys new place in 1597, he's 33 years old. It's the largest house in the borough of Stratford-upon-Avon. Our archaeological dig, which started in 2010, it finished in 2015, it was very intermittent. There was nothing reduced about it. (laughs) (laughs) A very long living archaeological dig. I mean, it had to be factored in um, alongside visitors to the house, uh, education work based Mm -hmm. on archaeology and so on, and in in seasons when it could take place. So we decided it was going to be intermittent, it was going to be a volunteer project, and hundreds of people gave thousands of hours working alongside the archaeologists. Um, But the brief was always to tell us as much about the house as when Shakespeare lived there. So we can now say things along the lines of, it had between 20 and 30 rooms, a massive house. a a really sizable courtyard um, that that the house that he'd purchased was already about 100 100 years old when he purchased it. But we have evidence for his significant renovation of that house, adding um, a chimney stack, changing the street frontage, putting in a long gallery. This was not a house, Austin, that Shakespeare was spending a lot of time away from, Mm. given its social significance, its largesse, um, and his... His reparations of it.
0: Do I remember you saying, perhaps in another interview, that they had he had there were multiple kitchens as well. Well, certainly,
1: uh, <laughs> the, the, you may remember the story that the, the BBC um, broke in in 2015 when we discovered basically the oven, um, and it was a, not an unattractive hole in the ground, but the story <laughs> was Shakespeare's well-equipped kitchen. <laughs> Which made me hoot. Um, but, but, but yes, certainly, how people live there in their daily life, evidence of cottage industries. Um, you know, it, it makes us think about the whole of the Stratford Records slightly differently in terms of uh, you know, people actually living there day to day. Shakespeare didn't own property in London. He was always an intermittent lodger there, yeah. which and Stanley Wells was for me the first person properly to say that Shakespeare was our first great literary commuter. Mm. So the image of, of someone shuttling backwards and forth, um, actually being able to get out of the commitments of touring, you know what this is like. Yes, you can't write. I, maybe you can write serious plays and go on tour and well, one and prepare for the plays. Yeah, one can. I don't recommend. <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but but certainly. Uh, there's a sense in which you know he buys new place in order to become a full-time writer yeah. more or less based there and you know we know his average is about two plays a year which mm-hmm. is a you know steady steady output that he's um, spending a lot of time in London of course um, but I, I I don't think new place really really supports the idea that when he wasn't in London he was a, he was touring and all of his time away from Stratford um, it was too much of a, 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 a a social magnet for him. So, this allows us to think about Shakespearean biography differently yeah. and to challenge old assumptions. And that's what the Trust can do. That's what we're interested in doing. That, you know, we, we see ourselves as uh, lively interpreters of Shakespearean's, Shakespeare's life um, and his works and, and what they've come to mean um, to Stratford upon Avon. Um, and to the rest of the world in a way where the Switzerland of Shakespeare where a, a safe place to have any conversations you like about Shakespeare and the Stratford chocolate is amazing <laughs> I'm Michael Whitmore director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington DC and
0: you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast <laughs> Where can you RSC the RSC? Our US fall tour of all the great books abridged, William Shakespeare's long lost first play abridged, and the ultimate Christmas show abridged continues this week with performances in West Long Branch, New Jersey, Aiken, South Carolina, Davis, California, Laramie, Wyoming, Asheville, North Carolina, Maryville, Tennessee, Somerville, New Jersey, San Jose, California, Algona, Iowa, Reston, Virginia, and La Mirada, California. Next winter, we'll be performing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play, Abridged, off-Broadway at the new Victory Theater in New York City. And next June of 2018, we'll return to the Pittsburgh Public Theater to close out their season with our production of William Shakespeare's long-lost first play, Abridged. And of course, Pop-Up Shakespeare is now on sale worldwide. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Paul Edmondson, the Head of Research and Knowledge, for the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust in Stratford-upon-Avon. You referred to Stratford earlier as sort of Shakespeare HQ, which uh, in terms of scholarship as a, as a, as a gathering place. I'm, I've only been in Stratford now 24 hours and I've walked along the streets and heard so many accents uh, and seen so many people taking so many pictures. Um, it really is not just a place of, not a, just a tourist place, but a sort of pilgrimage for people around the world who, because Shakespeare is a citizen of, or, uh, his reputation, his plays are properties of the world. This is, the, this is Mecca. It, it is. And, and you know, t- uh, two two quick reflections,
1: you know, one's I'm never surprised, to, A, to see anyone I haven't seen for years outside the house on Henley Street, and and B, to hear any language spoken right. outside the house on Henley Street. And just, you know, uh, obviously, we, we contribute massively to the regional economy, yeah. um, because of what the, all that the Birthplace Trust does. I've just been talking about the houses, all of our beautiful gardens, oh, some of sure. which I know you've seen during your trip already, which yeah. is which is great. We're very proud of that. Uh, But, you know, one one reflection is uh, another anniversary. We like anniversaries, don't we? 3rd of October, 1817, the poet John Keats visits the birthplace with his excellent friend Benjamin Bailey from Oxford. Mm -hmm. And in the visitor's book, I hope you signed our visitor's book, in the visitor's book, um, next to his name, signature John Keats, Place of Abode, he writes everywhere. Mm. And now Keats was writing about himself, feeling that he was... I guess itinerant and nowhere settled, but it's true of Shakespeare as well. That mm-hmm. that word everywhere, mm-hmm. and and it really does feel like that working um, at the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust. That you know, so many people from different countries come that you yeah. think it is this very special international magnet.
0: It really is, and I see I see people. It's it's phenomenal. I see people taking pictures of the, taking pictures of the statues and taking picture of the of the quotations from Shakespeare on the statues. It's 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 really amazing, and I love the the love that it's an idea. The other thing I love about what you were saying is the is the idea that our view of Shakespeare, and our view of Stratford, as you were saying, is constantly evolving, and. And is that because we discover new things all the time or or we interpret them in a new way? It,
1: it, it's both, isn't okay. it? New, new discoveries are made and fresh interpretations are made. So New Place, in fact, illustrates both of those things. They were both new discoveries and fresh interpretations. Okay. And, you know, major uh, new discovery at New Place was uh, actually finding the... Uh, the postholes in you know in the earth oh, sure. of the medieval hall, which were, as it were the inner house across the courtyard, uh, which would have been a, a fine and significant space for mm-hmm. the Shakespeare family, and to know that that was was there was 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 a, was a real thrill, um, and then it's well then what do you what do you then do with your enhanced knowledge, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is which is part of the research because it's the dissemination and interpretation, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, well, and do we, do we you talk about um, we, we're reevaluating um, Shakespeare's new place and, and Shakespeare's home in Stratford as not a place of retirement but as a place of activity? Um, do we know whether Shakespeare made more money from real estate than he did from his plays or from his acting work or, or from being a shareholder? Shakespeare's money is a
1: very vexed question uh-huh. and, and you're right to raise questions uh, about it. One wants to say that he wouldn't have been able to invest in the uh, real estate, in the freeholds, had he not been a shareholder. But then where did his money come from to become a shareholder? <laughs> right. uh, you know, It's estimated that it probably cost about I don't know, £60 pounds to become a, sh- a co-founder of the Lord Chamberlain's Men. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Shakespeare hadn't made that much money, surely, by yeah. 1594. Not uh, from Comedy
0: of Errors and a couple not? of Henry you four, know. six plays.
1: You know, and as, as, as you know, he was a jobbing actor and a jobbing playwright until he became that company man. Yeah. And then the fortunes changed. He wasn't making money very much from writing plays and acting. He was yeah. making money because he was a shareholder of the company who performed them. Right. And then the theatre a shareholder of the theatres who were performing the plays as well. Um, and and so then you get these vast sums of money being invested in, in real estate. £320 in 1602 to buy 107 acres of land in total around Stratford-upon-Avon. The size of the borough itself was only 109 acres. So he's buying land, which is almost the same size as the town in which he was... You know, the the legal jurisdiction of the borough, which is fascinating to me. And then three years later, he he spends £440 Mm -hmm. on uh, a share... In one of the tithes, which you know, had a good yield, and he'd, he'd got the money back after about I don't know seven or eight years, probably. But it's very difficult to talk about um, Shakespeare and finance because I'm not an economic historian, mm-hmm. and you know a, a Shakespeare scholar and even an, an experienced historian will only get you so far with that. I think you need a an, a, an economist's mind, an, an expert in in monies and investments and so on in that period, properly to do this.
0: That was the most elegantly phrased cop-out I've ever heard, (laughs) by the way. Thank you so much for that. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your new discoveries and fresh interpretations via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin and Paul Edmondson's on Twitter at Paul underscore Edmondson. Thanks, as always, to itinerant lodger Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and GarageBand. A random fan shout-out this week goes to Louise Atkinson. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Michael Whitmore, the director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 565 ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Paul Edmondson, thank you so much for talking to me. I mean, it's just amazing to be here and to get to speak with you is even better. It's a great pleasure. Thank you, Austin. Um, And I did notice that the men's room is out of loo roll. Do I talk to you about that or how does that work? I'll put you in touch with a relevant colleague. (laughs) Thereby hangs a
1: tale.